Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Media Main Me here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. I am Felipe, the titular Brazilian Dragon, and today I am joined by comedian, actor, writer, sketch comic, multi-hyphenate slashy Jordan Catcher. Jordan, how are you doing? I am swell and dandy. How about yourself, Felipe? I am doing well. Better now that I'm chatting with you. Uh, ah, you always brighten sweet. my day. Whenever I see you at work. Um, I do try. That's the goal. Yes. And how would you like to introduce yourself to the audience of the Brazilian Dragon podcast? I mean, I think you did a pretty good job. That was, I think multi-hyphenate is uh, is the way to go when I'm like, I don't want to talk about all these things about myself. I'm just a lot of things. But yeah, uh, I do comedy. I do acting. I write. I do voiceover. I direct sometimes. Podcaster. I'm a podcaster, true, true crime, false crime. Check it out. The aftermath, uh, you know, dead time stories. We're all over the place. Uh, yeah, I'd say those are probably the, the big Exercise hits. enthusiast? I am an exercise enthusiast. I'm not a professional exercise enthusiast, um, and I'm not an influencer, but I like to do it. It feels yes. good. Um, fan of the Aquafina scuttlebutt rap? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, absolutely, yeah. always. Any, now, yeah, give me, give me all that Lin Manuel Miranda goodness. I am always all about it. Yeah, that was a reference to the pre-show. But Jordan, thank you for joining me. I'm excited to dive deep. I mean, we've had similar conversations in the workplace about like your inspirations, your influences, your um, media, uh, your connection to media, and how it shaped you. But mm. I'm excited to dig in, dig in on the microphone and get yeah. to know you better and introduce you to the anyone who's listening to this or watching this video to uh, anyone in the RHAP world that's like, who's this Jordan Catcher guy? That oh, you're going to know. Me. You're going to know everything. Uh, mm-hmm. We buried the lead star of one of my favorite shows, Glee, as a Dalton Academy lacrosse player. Always, you know, with a spoon in hand, just just laxing it up, bro. Just laxing it up. Did you Did you play lax growing up? Uh, no, not like on a team. Um, I like, I would play it casually with my friends. I like, I had a stick, but I didn't like play, play, you know, it was like, my parents never let me do the like very violent sports. They were like, no lacrosse, no hockey, no football. You're too, you're too sensitive. You're a fragile little boy. You're not going to go and play those violent sports. Is that your mom impression? That is nowhere near what my actual parents, either of them, sound like at all. But I feel like it's just uh, when you vaguely think of like an East Coast parent, that's just yeah. like, yeah, that's, yeah, no. yeah. If, if you're of the Jewish persuasion, that's what uh, everybody subconsciously thinks my, our parents sound like. No, that's not actually what they sound like. Not my uh, Who would play your parents in a movie about your life? Oh, I have thought about this so many times. Um, I think, so like there's ones who I feel like... Uh, I look like personally and like that would be a good casting just visually but then I think like there's people who would just be like good at playing the character if I wrote it like them um I think Matthew Perry would Ooh. 
absolutely destroy the role of my father. He would be so good. It would be wonderful. And then for my mom, I go back and forth with a couple different people, but I think that um, Melissa McCarthy is where I land usually. So I think Melissa McCarthy and Matthew Perry are like the go-tos for my mom and dad. And then if we're going to get my sister into the mix, I go uh, Abby Jacobson. Okay. And, and then would you play yourself or do you have someone that would play you? What do you mean? <laughs> of course I'm going to play myself. Well, I, you got to give yourself the opportunities. Nobody's making the opportunities for you. Love it. Um, even even I, in hypothetical situations, I'm casting myself. Having never seen a photo of your sister, I could definitely see Abby Jacobson playing her. She looks like a lot like my sister. That is, it's very accurate. And then you would be one degree of separation from the Leg Lego Ninjago movie. What the? Who's the degree of separation in that? She's part? she's the, one of the voice actresses in the Lego. Is she movie. really? She's in Lego Ninjago. That's I I love when I go on somebody's IMDb page and I see a credit that I'm like, that makes no sense. <laughs> Hopefully one day we both have credits like that. Hey, that'd be cool. Yeah. Wouldn't that be sweet? Um, but. No, that's a that's a very difficult question because it's like, who do you want to be like your parents? Who would be good at it? Um, I've actually never thought about who would play my brother. That's a good. That's actually no, I have it immediately. But um, what do you got? What what's your your family cast? So uh, my dad would be Oscar Isaac, I think. I would love it. I mean, it's like dream casting, right? Uh, my mom, Justina Machado, um, mm. from One Day at a Time. But mm -hmm. then it would be like a little insular because like my brother would be the son from uh, One Day at a Time. I got to look his name up. I think it's what Marcel something. Um, not Marcel Spears. He's in the neighborhood. Uh, Marcel... I love it when that happens, though. When, Marcel uh, Ruiz. Who work... Marcel Ruiz. I love it yeah. when people who work on other projects together do another project because you're mm -hmm. like, your brain's like, ooh, a little treat. I know where yeah. these people have been together before. Like, like it's a, it's a modern day Rat Pack. It is a modern day Rat Pack. And shouldn't we all strive to be a modern day Rat Pack? We should. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, Jordan. So you're an East Coast boy from the Joyzy. Um, from the And you moved out to LA when you were 20, 21-ish. 19. 19. Silly yeah. me. Uh, silly you, silly me moving across the country at 19 years old. That's a silly thing to do. But uh, what were your like earliest memories with the media? And the media can be a broad topic. It can be movies, TV, of course, but it could be books, music, podcasts, computer games. I don't know. Um, oh, computer games definitely sends me to a to a specific place. Um, I definitely remember um, there. I forget what it was called, but it was my sister's game. It definitely I was not in the right demographic to be playing it. And your sister's older, like, right? Yeah, my sister's yeah. a few years older than me, and uh, it was just this uh, computer game. It had a purple disc, um, and it was about, like, a girl's soccer team, and it was one of those, like, click-through stories where, like, you would, like, ant like, like be one side of the conversation, and then you would, like, do a mini-game, and sometimes the mini-game was, like, playing soccer, but then it was also, like, solving mysteries. I have zero recollection of what the actual name of this game is was. Is it the Starfire uh, Soccer Challenge? It is the Starfire Soccer Challenge! <laughs> Literally... The magic of the internet. I googled mm. purple disc soccer girl team computer game and it came up. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I definitely was not who they intended to be playing that game, but boy was I about it. Um, but that was obviously a little bit later on. Um, but then like earlier than that, I mean, it was definitely like Sesame Street was a big one. 
Uh, the Muppets were big for sure. Uh, both of my parents are big music fans. And so music was always really uh, important in our house. I definitely got a good music education when I was very young. I was listening to Bruce Springsteen probably before I could walk, as most New Jerseyans should be. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those were kind of like the the very early ones. Oh, and then I also remember my mom used to read to us most nights, but she wouldn't like we did, you know, we did Dr. Seuss and stuff when I was younger, but um, she read A Wrinkle in Time to us often. Yeah. Like that was a, a family go to. Uh, and so I always I've got a sweet spot for A Wrinkle in Time. But Dr. Seuss was also absolutely massive. And only recently did I find out that he's not such a great guy, which is unfortunate. But isn't that so much the way? with all of these wonderful people that we love mm -hmm. the art that they make and then we grow up and then we're like oh no they're yeah they're they bad. either die or they well <laughs> um are awful yeah yeah um, yeah, or sometimes yeah both yeah yeah that's true those things aren't mutually exclusive you can do you can die and be an awful person mm -hmm. um so two quick follow-ups we talked in the pre-show about suits and uh, there was one line that might have offended you. So maybe this is a detracting statement for why you should watch Suits. But uh, one of the characters, Harvey, called uh, Bruce Springsteen an octogenarian in 2011. Homeboy's not even 70 now, is he? Uh, I think he is like just eking into his 70s. I think he's probably like 68 now. So he's, he's right up there. But yeah, uh, I mean, the thing about Bruce and New Jersey in general easy targets you know like it's just people love to make fun of new jersey and bruce is kind of you know he's like he's the boss he's 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 the spokesman for a very specific subset of new jersey it's him and john bon jovi for a long time were like what you think before the jersey shore it, it was like you think of bon jovi you think of bruce springsteen and so it's okay they're punching down he's the boss baby you gotta make fun of the boss um, and uh, follow up to your love of A Wrinkle in Time. Did you end up watching the Ava DuVernay 2018 movie? I didn't no. do it. You I couldn't. didn't do it. I just have like, I thought, yeah, I just like, I have such fond memories of like the, the version that my mom would create for us that I was like, you know what? I don't, uh, I don't think I need to revisit this. Maybe one day. I wouldn't, if somebody was like, hey, let's watch this. I wouldn't In be opposed room? to it. Yeah, if somebody puts it on in the break. I don't have much of a choice if somebody puts it on the break room. I've Were you there yesterday when they put on Cats? I heard that the that Cats came on, but it came on. I was there when Critters was on. That we were watching uh, Critters. Uh, yeah, we did a so Critters we Cats from, double feature. Yeah, it was the Critters Cats double feature. Yeah. Um, now, do your parents come from a performing background as well? Did your mom do funny voices in Wrinkle in Time? Uh, she did, but she doesn't really uh, come from a performing background. Uh, she is a teacher, though, so I think that definitely kind of, like, plays into how she knows how to entertain four kids as she's kind of educating them. Um, but she wasn't really a performer. My dad, on the other hand, my dad was uh, a musician. Um, he was in a rock band. He actually jammed with Bruce Springsteen multiple times, which is just like the most New Jersey backstory ever. Um, but he was a, he was a rock organist. Uh, and then he also was like, he never really like dipped his toes into it, but he was just such a massive stand-up comedy fan um, that, that I also got that kind of education from an early age. Awesome. And so he's a real Jetsy Katsopoulos rocking with some famous musicians. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and then Sesame Street, were you, uh, mm -hmm. who is your favorite of the Sesame Street 
I was a big Snuffy guy. Oh, um, yes, you I, did mention I just, this a couple days ago. I, I love Snuffy, but then obviously Cookie Monster. I I think I watched, uh, you know, the VHS uh, that they did? It was like a made-for-home uh, video. Uh, it was um, don't Cookie Monster Don't Eat the Pictures. Maybe. it's I wore that thing down to a nub. I literally watched that tape until it couldn't be played anymore. Because it's just like a, let's teach kids about art thing. But it's just Cookie Monster being like, we want to eat pictures. You know? And so I just like, oh, I, I ate that thing up. I loved it. So like three-year-old Jordan tee-hee-heeing. Oh, just rolling on the floor laughing. I adored it. There were a couple VHS tapes that I burned through, like, smashed the rewind um, immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for Sesame Street, there was one uh, that they were singing on a farm. Uh, it's like an animal-based one. And then there's this cow song where Gloria the cow sings proud, mm -hmm. proud, proud to be a cow. Um, the lyrics as an adult, kind of genius. Like, there are some... Oh, I bet. I've seen some TikToks recently of this incredible poetry that is Rabbit and Piglet from Winnie the Pooh having a conversation about knots. Oh, I bet that goes deep. It's like, it's like not, not, not like, it's like. Oh, so I love a homophone. One of my favorite things in the world is a homophone. Just when words sound the same. I think English is like the dumbest language on earth. We're just a big amalgamation of all the other languages and oftentimes because of that, we have these stupid words that all sound the same. I feel so bad for people. It's the only language I speak fluently. And I'm so impressed by people who speak multiple languages and learn English second, because I'm like, how? This language makes zero sense. I need to issue a retraction. It was not Gloria the cow, it was Gladys the cow. Thank um, you for clarifying that, Felipe. Um, I'm, I appreciate that you are the kind of person that would immediately retract your statement. You're not going to wait for the trolls to come at you in the comment section. You're going to cover your bases early. Real-time fact-checking. Yes, no, I, I learned from the best. Rob Sesternino, always on the Google. We just need one person to at me. We don't need a whole cavalry of trolls in my DMs, in my mentions. Yeah. Um, and to let you all know, it was Sing, Hoot, and Howl with the Sesame Street animals. Sing, that was what it was. Hoot, and Howl. Mm. We should put that on in the break room. As well as Big Bird yeah. in China, Elmo and Grouchland. Oh, yes. Elmo and Grouchland was a bop. Yeah. Um, so, and then you mentioned the Muppets. Uh, obviously, they're like, they're cousins. Uh, do you have a separate favorite Muppet that is not in the Sesame Street universe? Oh, I mean, I mean, I guess... It depends on what you consider in the universe or not, because like they all eventually cross over. Because there's yeah. the, um, is it the Muppets Christmas movie when they go to Fozzie's, um, they go to Fozzie's mom's house, they go to the barn, um, or the farm rather, and all of them are there. Um, so I think I technically they're all in the same universe. They're all in the Henson verse, the HCU, if you will. Um, yeah, but. The, uh... Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock characters appear in a Muppet yeah. Family Christmas. Oh yeah, and Fraggle Rock's there too. What a crazy crossover! That was like that was Endgame before Endgame. Um, but I mean, it's it's Kermit. It's Kermit. I feel like Kermit always resonated with me, and I feel like I bring Kermit energy to the world. Um, like I just want to put on shows and have fun and have a good time, and I don't want people being mean to each other. And I just, I'm a peacekeeper. So I think, I think, Ker yeah, oh, always have been. Um, but I think Kermit, yeah, I think Kermit's probably the, the number one over in there. Yeah, but Kermit is also a little sassy boy. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I feel and like you that can is be also that is also a big part of me. Yeah. You like sipping the tea, looking at yourself in the mirror. You're like, mm. of course, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I could also see. I wouldn't have been surprised if you said Fozzy because I feel like all stand-up comments have a little bit of Fozzy. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fozzy, Fozzy is definitely um, the the dad joke side of me, and it often comes out. It's my first inclination with any joke that I'm making is like, okay, what is the most dad joke possible that I can make here? And then in order to make it a good joke, I then have to take about four or five steps off into the distance but what is your definitely in there biggest dad joke that you say on tours oh that i say on tours um, i have one that i stole from wendy uh it is let me hear it. what's yours uh this is a fire hazard because if you do this i will be fired i stole that from you i heard you say that one time uh going into stage 30 and i heard you say that and i was like oh i'm taking that one i saw from wendy I... when i did a tour i remembered that like two months before i started as an associate and then when i did tours i'm like i'm taking this yeah yeah i stole that one from you i think that's probably the most uh actually you know what you know what's a a funny little dad bit that i do is um when i let people off the cart i go everybody can get off on the left side and then i turn to the people that are sitting next to me and i say except for you two you're gonna get off on the right side nothing personal yeah and people love it they and i've gotten so many good responses but it feels very much like uh like a dad joke like it feels like we're we're piling the kids out of the minivan for soccer practice Mm -hmm. Uh, i also have a dad joke when i drop people off i feel like a couple people do it but i'm like and i'm porky pig now because that's all folks yeah yeah definitely i mean i i've got the the shtick at the end i say uh, did you have a good time on tour oh good you had a good time well then great my name's Jordan. If you had a bad time, it would have been something else. And yeah. again, it's just like, oh, the the high fructose corn syrup in those lines is ridiculous. It's just the serotonin that it can give the guests. That's yeah, that's the reason that we get tipped at the end. It's the cor- dad joke at the end. It's nothing yeah, about absolutely. if they decided beforehand or not. No. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so uh, growing up, so you, we talked about the Sesame Street. Um, and then what was like, I don't know. So one of my friends, Jessica, has this ranking of children. So like the extra small, smalls, medium, larges, and then like your adults. So like as a small, medium era, what was okay. your what was your bag? What TV so shows, movies, media? So I'm assuming extra small is like uh, pre-walking days, and then small being like. Yeah, so maybe we talked about your small and your Sesame Street. No, I think I mean I think that was more like extra small kind of stuff. So we can so small. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was definitely really big into superheroes and like actiony things. I liked things that were like explosions and catching my attention. I mean, not like you know I wasn't watching Die Hard when I was in preschool, but like you know like the kid like well that's a good point. I should have been watching Die Hard. Um, but uh, I think Power Rangers was was big for me, and then going along with Power Rangers, um, Beetleborgs was really really big. Um, I some sometimes I think I dreamed Beetleborgs because I talk to people about it sometimes, and they're like that's what are you talking about? There's like a Ronald McDonald looking guy. There's a Frankenstein. What do you, what do you mean? The show didn't exist, but like, I swear it's real. I hope it's real. Um, but yeah, so Power Rangers, Beetleborgs were big. Uh, the Transformers cartoons uh, were up there. The X-Men uh, animated series, definitely. Um, yeah, I think those were kind of those kind of years, the, the small years, the small mediums. 
So this is the first podcast that I've done where I've been able to mention that my friend Brandon is going to be on this upcoming season of Survivor. And one of the questions in the preseason that Mike Bloom likes to ask is, uh, what celebrity or fictional character would you want to come out for a loved one's visit? And since you mentioned Power Rangers, I'll bring up his answer. Uh, he was They filmed right around the time that it was going to come out on Netflix this year in April. Mm-hmm. And he said that he wanted Zordon to be Zordon. Zordon, uh, yeah. That's his loved one. Um, that's hilarious. So uh, just a shout especially, out. To just that's flow- especially funny because like what a, on Survivor, like I'm, I haven't watched the recent seasons, but like back in the day, that was like a big uh, like family TV night thing. We did um, we did Survivor into CSI and we like Ooh. sat on the floor and we ate Chinese food. It was such a good double feature. Um, but uh, the reason I find Zordon being your loved one so funny is because like one of the most like emotional moments of having a loved one there to visit is like, oh, you get to hug them. Because like you don't, there's no like physical, well, not no, but there's less physical intimacy when you're on Survivor. And so you get to hug your loved one. But to have Zordon, it's presumably the floating head version of him and not the physical manifestation so you yeah. just have a floating head being like hello how is your time on the island been that's <laughs> hilarious chinese food and survivor probably hits i've done it a couple times i usually do pokey and survivor totally. um but, that'll do it yeah but um pokey's great especially if you've got a an island season you know you're definitely you, you feel like you're in the in the vibe you know like i caught this poke yeah <laughs> i caught the salmon it was it yeah. was on me um but so uh, you love action stuff uh who is your favorite superhero batman batman, always batman. I, batman. i've always been like a batman and Raphael type it's funny because like i'm a very like um outgoing bubbly kind person but on the inside i'm just this like dark brooding like Man Batman of a guy yeah just like Raphael brooding in the shadows but it was it was always Batman I just like I there was the brooding aspect definitely hit with me but then it was also like uh kind of I think the biggest thing was the uh like the willpower of Batman was big for me because I was like oh like this dude is like he's rich obviously and that can buy you a lot of things but he's just a human being and he just wants it really really bad and it being justice uh now what's your quintessential childhood batman not your favorite batman but like what's the one like is it the joel schumacher movies is that the one that like i just um age demo or uh i I mean i think it was more uh the cartoons it was um it was definitely the 90s batman cartoons it was it was um conroy kevin conroy was like the batman yeah r.i.p um he was definitely the batman until christian bale came along i did by the way i know it gets a lot of flack i loved the george clooney batman it's like it's camp i it's camp and you know i saw an article about it one time and they were like uh yeah if you like go into this expecting like the Hollywood Batman movie that you wanted to see when you heard this was going to come out, it maybe is not going to live up to your expectations. But if you watch it like with the expectations of watching like uh, like a Lucha movie, like a Luchador movie, uh, it's going to be incredible. It's like just change your expectations a little bit. But I loved it. I loved all that campy stuff because it felt like something I would imagine while I was like playing with my Batman toys. I was a big toy kid. And so like I... 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I would do like before they ever had crossovers, I would do a lot of Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were always like messing around together. They just kind of like seemed thematically like they would belong together. No, no, I did crossovers myself as well. Uh, I was Kingdom Hearts before Kingdom Hearts because I had this toy set. It was like four little action figures or like Lego figures, basically of Tarzan, Hercules, Peter Pan, and Aladdin. And I would have them mm. cross over and they're different, like, and hang out with each other. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and also I feel like every little boy wanted to be Spider-Man, Batman, or Superman. Those are like the big three. And I was a Those Spider-Man kid. And I but, think it says a lot about each of the kids. Like when you know which one they like, it's like they were always the similar type of kids. Yeah. I was definitely a Spider-Man kid, but I also grew up more with the Tobey Maguire movies. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I also was a big Johnny Storm kid. Like I loved the Fantastic Four movies and like the cartoons. And I was like, Johnny Storm, I resonated with him because he was just like a ball of energy. And I feel like I can relate yeah. to that energy. Yeah, um, totally. I don't know... I don't know if it was my parents picking up on the fact that I preferred DC over Marvel or if they only knew about DC, but I like, I'm thinking back on all my toys and like, I didn't have a single Marvel action figure. They were all DC. And I also only exclusively read DC comics. Like I can't think of ever as a kid reading a Marvel comic. It was all DC all the time. See, I wasn't a big comic kid except for like, peanuts and calvin and Hobbes, like that's was the comic but not like superhero comics yeah no it was like more of like uh like i watched some superhero stuff and then like in middle school high school i was like after the first avengers movie i was like i'm too cool for this and then my brother got really into marvel he's six years younger than me i was like wasting your time and then yeah like endgame came out well black panther I didn't, I was, I thought Infinity War was overhyped. I still, I still think that maybe like, don't cancel me. Um, no, no. It's, it's just a two yeah, hour fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's good. Like I can, but like, I prefer M game. Cause I feel like there's more story there, but. Um, well, of course, Infinity War was just existing to set up. And yeah. that's also, by the way, if we want to talk about takes that might get us canceled. Um, that's how I felt about the most recent Spider-Verse movie. I don't get me wrong gorgeous incredible truly a work of art the performances were great but like as we were approaching the third act i was like awesome we're gonna put this team together everybody we're gonna we're gonna take down the baddie and then it just kind of ended and i was just like oh this only exists to set up the third spider-verse movie I knew it was a two-parter going in and I kind of wish I didn't because I wanted to be mad. <laughs> like that's a kind of messed up statement to say out loud, but I, I was no, like, I, I wanted to, cause like with Infinity War, I wasn't super in it. So I like knew everyone like vanished. I didn't know the context. I just like assumed everyone died. Um, yeah. And then, well, Endgame also then like my friend convinced me to go to an open night and I had so much fun. And then Spider-Man Far From Home is the reason why I like went and like during the pandemic watched everything. So like Spider-Man, Brings me back to the superhero yep. stuff, but now well, and um, it was, I mean, it was kind of like the that and the X Men movie were like very much the beginning of that craze. There is one superhero franchise that totally, totally missed the boat by like literally by like six months. It was called oh. Mystery Men. Oh, <laughs> have you seen Mystery Men? No. So it. it's uh, Janine Garofalo, Ben Stiller, Thanks. William H Macy, Hank Azaria uh greg kinnear um uh i feel like there's a lot more than a miss oh um is this based on a comic property or 
that's i feel like if it is it feels like a dark horse property if it is a if it is based on anything i don't know if it is but this came out in 1999 the year before the first x-men movie came out and it was kind of it, it was basically it was a satire of a genre that wasn't popular yet so mm -hmm. if that movie had come out two years later i think it would have been a hit and i think it probably would have gotten a sequel as well but they were kind of just like a ragtag group of nobodies who needed to save the day because the like kind of Homelander Superman archetype Greg Kinnear uh, wasn't doing the job. Um, but it was again another uh, unnecessarily brooding character. Ben Stiller's character is superpower. He has no superpower. He's just angry. He just gets really, really mad, and that's all it. it is. Like yeah, his character but... in Friends. <laughs> Yes, very similar. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that one was super, super, uh, just before the book. Just missed it. Did you ever watch that Drake Bell superhero movie? No. Well, uh, the parody one, right? The, yeah, it's um, a parody. He, yeah, and he plays Dragonfly, I think. Yeah, I think Superfly. it's literally called Superhero Movie. Yeah, Superhero Movie. Yeah. That was when, uh, that was like. Oh, Craig Mazin when... wrote this? Or so he wrote Superhero yeah. Movie? Yeah. That's really funny. That was like that period of time, uh, like after the third scary movie, when it was like from two of the five people who brought you scary movie. And it was like, oh yeah, well, okay. That's should have bought you more goodwill than it actually bought you. Um, those movies uh, moving into like the mid, the medium age, scary movie was so, so big for me. And it made me, like horror movies because i didn't really like horror movies like i wasn't like it wasn't a fear thing it was just like why am i not laughing what like i'm watching a movie right now i should be laughing that's because like comedy was yeah my jam and so like scare when i saw the first scary movie i was like oh huh i guess i should see the things that this is parodying um but i love those movies and you love horror movies now or no i would i would say i like horror movies again it's just like well the thing about it is like nobody really makes comedies anymore like it's just not a thing they that make comedy horror movies like megan but then exactly and so that's kind of how i get into horror now is that like i know that there's going to be good comedy in it because we just kind of have to as an industry hide comedy wherever we can fit have it you in seen the blackening days. yet no, I've heard. I've heard it's it's good. Um, I really it's want more to. More comedy it's... than horror. Like, there's one jump scare, I think, but highly recommend. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about it. Um, but I definitely want to watch that. What's your favorite also, horror movie? Oh, go ahead. Ooh, no, I was gonna jump backwards, but I want to answer. No, jump backwards first. if you want. Um, no, I'll hold on to it. Um, uh, favorite horror movie, it, probably The Exorcist. Um, it just like, one? yes, definitely. Okay um it just like it's oh no mm, it's a tie between um the exorcist and um is it uh the descent i think um it's about like a group of women who get caught in a um in a cave system yeah sure the descent. yeah yeah which i just found out the whole movie is a metaphor for grief and I had no idea of that when I was watching it originally, but it's like, it's so terrifying. Um, the Exorcist was was more like, you know, the supernatural terrifying. This one was, this, the descent is a little bit more grounded. There is some like, there's some creatures in it. So it's more of a creature feature, but like uh, the Exorcist, it just like, 
I think that was probably one of the first times where I was like, how are they doing that on screen? Like, how are they accomplishing these physical effects that they're, that they're doing? Um, and it just kind of blew my mind. Love it. Um, yeah. Now, where did you want to go backwards? Well, I wanted to jump back to comics, uh, specifically yeah. like cartoons, like uh, in the newspaper, because I it reminded me that I would, as soon as the newspaper would come, I would run outside and I would grab the comics page and I would take it away from the rest of the newspaper. And then I would, you know, I don't care about the rest of the newspaper and nobody else in the house would get the newspaper or the comics part of the newspaper until I was done with it. I always had to be the first one to get it. And Sundays when the color ones would come out, forget it. I would read those things over and over and over again. Did you have a favorite? Um, I liked Dilbert. Um, I liked uh, Zitz a lot. Zitz was always a big one for me. Um, uh, Beetle Bailey was always really good. Um, obviously Garfield. Um, but yeah, I, I just, and I'd forgotten about that. Love that. Um, and then how do you feel about some of these uh, translations of comics to the screen? Like, we don't have to talk about Riverdale, but like uh, Garfield's Tale of Two Kitties. I So I've only seen the first live action Garfield. Um, I, I'm fine with it. I like, it's just, it's an adaptation, you know? Yeah. It's like, I here's the thing. I never get too bent out of shape or too hot when an adaptation doesn't live up to its source material because it's like yeah like it, it's not gonna usually it's because like the source material not only is usually like the story in its purest form but it's also uh it holds so much subconscious nostalgic value that like how on earth could things live up to that yeah um now you before we move on to like stand up and like i'm assuming in your large era um you were watching like stand up snl um but uh any i i mean i have to ask any disney movies uh for like i feel like you remind me a lot of mike bloom just in general vibes wise and like i'm assuming robin williams uh the genie probably Mm -hmm. an inspiration to you as well yes you're in the same age demo as mike so yeah. Yeah. Robin was definitely massive for me and in ways that I didn't realize until later in life. Um, uh, Fern Gully, obviously, um, and the genie were just two of my favorite characters before I realized why they were my favorite characters, which is just the fact that they were Robin. Um, but uh, yeah, I was huge into Disney movies. I think my ranking goes um, Aladdin, Lion King, Hercules, Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas. That's my that's my top, top five, five Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. And like, I just, because I also, and again, I didn't know this until later in life, but I was like, I love musicals. I adore musicals. But like, as a kid, I was just like, this is fun. But then later in life, I was How like, yep, this you all makes sense. The Black, Black Cauldron. <laughs> Not on the list. Not for me. Not for me. Never seen it, but that's like hey, one the of little the little that wasn't on that list. So yeah. there's there's some snubs there. It's I get it. It's everybody has their own thing, you know. Well, you actually forgot to mention your absolute favorite is Song of the South. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying to cancel you. I'm kidding. That's my that's my frozen video call face. Yeah. That's like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Um 
but like so aladdin's your number one probably yeah heavily um inspired by robin williams uh mm-hmm. that's a great top five though like um no misses uh 100%. for me i don't know like i would want to include some pixar just because they're like transformative for me like finding Nemo oh that's is, a different list for me that's a different list though yeah so it's like mm-hmm. like toy story 2 i think is so fun that was like toy story 1 and 2 mm-hmm. i had on vhs and i was just like uh re- smash rewind uh, the toy the, stories what? uh the toy story movies give me such a sense of anxiety and dread like few other movies it feels similar to um uh brave little toaster like the way that i feel because it's just like I definitely had like a um, a thing with my toys, you know, like I was definitely yeah. like anthropomorphizing my toys. And so I would like the idea of like my toys having their own life, but like also being in danger was like I loved the movies, but I it all they also gave me like anxiety before I knew what anxiety was. Agreed. No, like I literally was looking at photos uh, when I went home and like, I brought Woody and Buzz to Paris to Greece. Like, uh, so it's like, I, I feel like still to this day, I'm like, Oh, or, like there's some toys just hanging out by themselves at home. And I feel bad. Like I hope yeah. they're having a party. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's uh, transition over to the large era of Jordan's life. Um what when did you first dabble into i know snl is a big thing for you like when did you start discovering that stuff was that a little later or was that in this era of like no yeah that was that was kind of in the uh like late elementary early middle school era for me because my dad was such a huge snl fan um that he started sharing that with me from an early age and then um when I was in eighth grade, my mom asked me to uh, clean out our VHS uh, shelf. She was like, we just like need to get rid of things that we aren't watching anymore, which also, quick little tangent story, there are a number of very famous movies uh, I did not see the end of until I was like in my mid-20s because the copy that we had at home wasn't the real VHS copy. My grandma would um, record them when they were on TV, but she would always get the timing wrong on the end of the movie. And so like for the longest time, I never saw the end of E.T. Uh, I never saw like the you end. You didn't know if you of... phoned home or not? No, no. no for a very what did you, long What was time. your headcanon? Did you think that he made it or no? The headcanon wasn't even like, let's complete the story. It was just like, I don't know. That's where the story ends. That's that's just because like it wasn't. We wouldn't even get to that point. It was just like I feel like the like. Where did you end? Like get, when he's in the hospital we, dying? Like just before that, we wouldn't okay. even get to that part. And so we're like, I'm ending a lot of movies in my childhood memory, like in like halfway through the third act. Yeah. And so there's a Speaking lot of, of maybe that's why all of my third acts are bad. Mm. Mm. Grandma, I'm packing in therapy. um but yeah so in eighth grade my mom asked me to uh clean out our vhs shelf get rid of things that we weren't watching and i was um cleaning that out with my uh best friend my across the street neighbor john garvey hey john um is he listening to this maybe there's a possibility um hi john (laughs) um but uh i found a copy of robin williams live at the met from i think it's from 1976 and i was like well, I wonder what this is. And at this point in my life, like I knew Robin Williams as like a guy who did funny voices and was in movies that I liked, but I had never seen his stand-up before. And I think maybe I had never really seen stand-up before other than on SNL. Yeah. 
And so, uh, so me and John put that into the VHS player and we watched it. I think that first day, like four times in a row, it was so good. And like, still to this day, I think is probably like one of the better stand-up specials that exist. Um, and it just kind of like, it unlocked something inside of me. And I was like, Oh, like, this is what I want to do. This is what makes me happy this feels good like to make an entire room full of people laugh that's a wonderful thing and uh is that like when you started dabbling into stand-up or was that later on in life um but you like well, first got so, interested in it yeah so it was kind of like the dabble basically like the evolution of my dabble was that i would memorize the robin williams bits and then i would go to school and i would do the robin williams bits and then I took a weird. And John letter. didn't dox you. No, 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 definitely not. But like he would join in too, and like yeah. it was like very much. But like none, none of our other friends had seen this, you know, very adult Robin Williams stand-up special from the seventies. And so like we knew what we were doing, and as far as they were concerned, these were just our bits that we were doing on our own. And they were like, "Wow, John and Jordan are really funny." <laughs> but really, it's like, yeah, we were stealing from the best comedian in the world um but yeah so i would i would definitely mimic uh what i was seeing robin do i would do the same thing with snl you know i would i would watch the old episodes i'd watch the current ones and then i'd come into school on monday and you know i'd be doing some dumb will ferrell voice or something like that will is another one hit uh i think well before that it was adam sandler adam sandler was like the first time on snl that i was like that i see myself in that um I sorry. I know we both watched Winning Time. I saw a funny tweet yesterday that like the show. I think I think I saw the same one. Is it the what one you, that like which one is yours? That Adam McKay killed a lifeblood friendship with Will Ferrell to get canceled. His show canceled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also saw another one that said, um, "Who did Bill Simmons pay off, and how much <laughs> did he pay them so that Winning Time so ended nice. with the Celtics winning a finals?" And I told you this yesterday. Like, I think it's so ironic that like I mean, as a Bostonian, like I mean like but like i yeah i i still wanted more winning time it just was so expensive like that has to be like one of the biggest reasons just because like I've, knowing I've how heard... many sound stages they had was like yeah. eight yeah. just in itself I, I also heard there was um there was a lot of blowback from the actual real life people yes. because like that's the thing when you're telling these stories that are like in the 80s we're not that far removed from it and so a lo- like 90% of the real people who are in these stories are still alive. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of blowback, but I don't think that that's what did it. Cause like, that's just press. That's just, yeah. you know, one of my and- favorite things about winning time, because I don't know, I'm sure this has happened lots of times and maybe we can do research on this, but uh, the guy who plays Norm Nixon, it's his uh, son. The point guard, it's his son. That's so cool. What an amazing thing to have a famous father. Uh, and then you become an actor and you get to play your famous father. That's dope. That's a really cool thing. Maybe. But yeah, I would have... Go ahead. No, I was going to say... I would have loved if we continued into the 90s and got, like, young Kobe and, like, got a little, yeah. like, Shaquille O'Neal dynamic duo action. I was going to say maybe one day when you blow up and maybe your life story, you play your father instead. Ooh, that is... Those are always... Those stories are always really emotional. Uh, the Like the, um, uh, the Shia LaBeouf movie, um, Honey Boy. That thing is... it's heavy it is and like you get to it's cool because uh, even stevens was like uh my disney channel sitcom that was like that and phil of the future 
were like my two go-tos. Um, yeah, that's you, you're Phil. Um, but uh, yeah, and so like w- watching Honey Boy and like seeing what Shia, even though it's traumatized, to see what he was going through behind the scenes, it's it, yeah, it it's like something that you can't even really compute. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with um, you know, Chris Diamantopoulos. He uh, he played uh, Mo in the Three Stooges movie. He's in Silicon Valley. Um, but he early in his career, he did a made-for-TV movie where he played Robin Williams. And it first of all, it is the most pitch perfect Robin Williams that I've ever seen. Um, and it really like shows you what he was going through behind the scenes while he was doing, you know, like Mork and Mindy or Happy Days introducing Mork and then Mork and Mindy and all that stuff. And like I think that was probably the first time that I learned that there was anything besides joy to Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, which we can also discuss in a moment. But you mentioned the Sandman your boy um uh so talk about your influence with adam sandler and uh your uh love of him and his projects and then uh do you still keep up with the sand renaissance i'm definitely i'm all i'm all on board with with sandler always um i'm not even you know I'm not mad at the things that people are mad at. I haven't watched uh, You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah yet, but I've heard wonderful things. Sarah Sherman is in it, so how bad can it be? I love Sarah Sherman. Um, but I think uh, the thing with Sandler that really got me in the beginning was uh, I grew up in a community that did have more Jewish people than most communities. But even saying that, it's like more Jewish people, like we're, we, make up 1% of the world's pop less than one at this point of the world's population. And so more than most neighborhoods was like, I was one of eight kids in my class, seven kids in my class were Jewish. And so like, I think it was just really cool to see somebody being like very vocal and proud and happy that they were Jewish. And so like when the Hanukkah song came out, I was like, Whoa, like, is it cool to be Jewish? Like, is that a dope thing all of a sudden? And it really felt that way. And he was just like, the way I felt about Adam Sandler's comedy, especially on SNL, and like it translates to his movies as well, but I feel like on SNL, he was doing that thing that Steve Martin talks about where um, you're just having fun and like you don't know why you're laughing, but you're just laughing because you're in an absurd situation. And to to watch somebody do that on screen was so joyful it was just such a wonderful experience what is your favorite of the sandman movies I, I'm, let me guess it's either billy madison or happy gilmore that's like well i mean of course those are like you know those are the two the two big ones i mean there's no small coincidence why his production company is called happy madison yeah um but out of those two i think i think it's billy madison mm. I loved Happy Gilmore and I still do. I love both of them and like almost equally, but it's like mm, just like Billy Madison barely ekes out over the top on Happy Gilmore. Um, I just, there's something about uh, the the redemption story of Billy Madison. Um, obviously uh, it doesn't hurt to have Veronica Vaughn in there. That definitely uh, piqued my interest as a little kid. Um, and then uh, again, it was just like, I feel like, Happy Gilmore was kind of like, um, 
it was more straightforward. Like they had a concept and they really delivered on the concept and there wasn't really too much room for like wacky fun in the middle of it. But I feel like every other scene in Billy Madison feels like a fever dream. Like all of those, uh, when he graduates the grade and he has the parties, all of that's ridiculous. When he's, um, this was a scene that made no sense to me and still makes no sense to me. And I love it so much. He's walking down the steps. I forget what he's just done. He just like had a conversation with his dad or something. And he just hears a song start playing and it's like, bum, 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 bum. and he consciously as the character is hearing a song playing on the soundtrack that's not playing in the universe he's in. And then he just starts dancing to I'll tumble for you. I'll tumble for you. And I was just like, what's happening? This is so goofy. I love it. So I think it was Billy Madison over, over that. But then you go from there to friggin' Waterboy into um, Little Nicky, Big Daddy. Like I just, Big like, Daddy, I've only seen it once, and I love the movie. I don't know why I've mm. never revisited it, but it just broke me. I was sobbing uh-huh. at the end. Uh, Same. It, it was definitely the I can wipe my own ass. Like, oh my god, that's yeah. that kind of that triggered the same kind of feelings as like the the Toy Story and Brave um, Little Toaster, uh, Brave Little Toaster kind of thing. I was just like, oh, Bill, what's you know what movie? Me? Just to circle back to Disney movies, you know what movie always broke me? The Fox and the Hound. Mm. So sad. I think I only saw that like one time. I really like. I couldn't even. If you told me to give you a synopsis, I couldn't do it. Well, because it's about friends who drift apart. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, um, also, another movie that idea. destroyed me. I should not have watched this when I was eight. Brother Bear. Mm, yep. Yeah. Brother Bear was rough. I remember where I was, and I was just like a mess. And my mom was like consoling me. I was like, "But he killed his mom." <laughs> like, is Brother Bear? Is that DreamWorks or is that a, no, is it's that a Disney. Disney animation? It's, it's Disney. Disney animation. Wow. Keanu Reeves. No, sorry. Joaquin Phoenix is. I was gonna the- say. I was like, what? But also equally, what I didn't realize that that was Joaquin Phoenix. Is it? Should I go back and uh, and watch Brother Bear now? Yes, but you will cry. But also, Phil Collins left no crumbs on the soundtrack of that. We always talk about Tarzan, but also, like Phil Collins never leaves any crumbs. Phil Collins always eats the whole gosh dang plate. He's like Cookie Monster. He makes sure everything's in his mouth. He does. Yeah, they call him Phil the Cookie Monster Collins. Yes, um, and. Uh, uh, the uh, I mean, for me, this might have been more of a my era thing, but like Grown Ups, I love that movie so much. Like, even though it's stupid, um, no, it's but fun. it's fun, and it's yeah. like I love a story about um, about friends who lose touch and then come back together. That's always like uh, an archetype of a story that I'm gonna be on board for. And it was also just like it felt like this is what those people really were like because at this point when they did grown ups they all of them had already done so many movies together and they'd been i mean like most of them obviously with the exclusion of Kevin James they all went through SNL together and so they all had like a very long history together and so to have them all on the screen kind of playing these like obviously not not fictionalized versions of themselves but like playing something that's grounded not crazy over the top it it felt it felt cozy. Mm-hmm. I also love bedtime stories. It's such a fun Same. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, click. Click. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Talk about talk about movies that absolutely destroy me. That thing when you got old Adam and he's running in the rain. Oh, my God. I melt. I die. Every time to this day, every time I've rewatched Click, it absolutely destroys me. I don't. I don't want you to be destroyed, but 
if the movie sometimes to... sometimes you need to be destroyed so you can build up from the rubble you know me this summer um <laughs> um and then i before i move on from the sandman we have to talk about eight crazy nights did you feel like i mean like so much representation with that so much representation i because like you really i mean that's the whole reason that the hanukkah song exists is because there isn't too much hanukkah representation and jewish representation and around the holidays it definitely feels like kind of like the forgotten middle child of the holidays and it's just like to see that on screen while also seeing a character dealing with grief at the same time was and dealing with it poorly was awesome um i still think to this day and this is a dream role of mine if anybody is listening can help me make this happen let's live action do it not live action broadway ah. broadway for the holidays the same way that they do the Grinch on Broadway as or Elf around the holidays, why not? Because it's not just a Hanukkah story. It's a story about the holidays and it's about family and reconnection and forgiveness. And I think you just, you do all the songs that are in the show. You could do Whitey and his sister as puppets, which would be really fun. Do it like Avenue Q style with those characters. Um, and then just like, Maybe you get Sandman to do a couple more songs. Maybe you do the SpongeBob thing and you just have um, like famous musicians pop in a couple more songs because it already Lin -Manuel is. Lin-Manuel like, Miranda. No, <laughs> Look, here's the thing about Lin. Lin is in, he's an incredible songwriter. He is a great improviser. There's just a lot of times where we don't need Lin doing his own material. And that's okay. He's but also, also not Jewish, so it's like, doesn't he? Well, he's also he, not he, Jewish, he, but that's, I mean, that's not going to stop him. But <laughs> also, you know, you know, it's just like, like, as I said before, if I'm making the, the movie of my family, I'm casting myself, you know, whether yeah. people like it or not. And it's the same thing. Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda puts so much effort and work into his projects that, like, yeah, of course he's going to be in it. Well, like, the way you talk about Adam Sandler is, like, more of a recent thing, but, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, is, like, one of the first big Latinos, especially in, like, musicals in theater. Yeah. So it's, like, I deeply resonate with him. Like, if I ever am fortunate enough to write, like, a movie and can, like, pick anyone to compose, make it a musical, I'm like, Lin, of you're course. coming with me. We're bringing you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and but, also, I feel like these days it's, like... Um, if you're doing a new musical, you're either getting, you're getting Lynn, you're getting, um, what's the pair that did Frozen? Lila um, Crocodile pair. Yeah, Frost. And the Greatest um, Showman, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also the Dear Evan Hansen crew. So it's like, those are kind of like the three that you get. Pasek and, and so, Paul. Pasek and Paul. Yes, Pasek and Paul. Uh, that's the Dear Evan Hansen pair. And then there's also... Um, Frost something, I think, is one of their last names. And then I forget what the other one is. And I think they I think they were the frozen ones. Either way, that makes sense, of course. And he's like I said, extremely, extremely talented. Um, obviously, I think if I'm doing a musical, um I I go Alan Menken mm -hmm. first. Yes, I mean you have... like, oh my god, like Alan just the Menken? absolute number of hits. Uh I would also be okay with Elton John if he wants to come out of retirement for that. Well, Sure. I guess, yeah, fine. I'll go with Elton if he's Or around. if I write a movie and it's animated, what's Phil Collins up to? What? Just probably making hits somewhere. That's, yeah. that's all he does. Um, 
So we talked, we brushed on theater, the theater. Um, what was your first, uh, besides like the Disney movies, first musical that you were like, oh, I like movies that like deal with like music. And then what was uh, Baby Jordan's first play or uh, acting gig? Um, I'll answer those backwards. Baby Jordan's first acting gig was uh, in fourth grade. I did a play called Camp Goodnight. From all recollections, it was probably an original piece by my uh, elementary school theater uh, directors, I would assume. Um, but usually the way it worked was like, at fourth, it was a fourth and fifth grade production every single year. And the fifth graders were always the leads. And the fourth graders were just kind of like, you know, the background characters. But um, I auditioned and as a fourth grader, they were like, you're the lead of the show. And I was like, oh, huh, do I like this? And then I like, um, so my grandfather was an actor as well, um, as well as an artist. And so I um, got to go to him and be like, hey, like I have this lead in this play, how do I do this? And so my grandfather kind of taught me the process of like, this is how you put a character together. This is how you study your lines. And like, I would sit with my grandfather and learn my lines. Um, and he taught me a technique that I still use to this day, which is um, recording your lines, saying your lines into a tape recorder and then listening to them back and then doing them again, listening to them back until you have it completely locked in. And so I still use that to this day. So I think of my grandfather every time I learn lines. Um, but that was that was the first kind of foray into performance for me. I mean, I was always performing. I was just a kid who like always wanted to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. um, well, for sure. I'm, I, I bet I bet 90 percent of the city we live in. Um, <laughs> and then um, with musicals, it was like I kind of had this like this mental barrier, uh, uh, like not against them, but I just like. I didn't really, outside of Disney movies, I didn't really get into them until uh, in eighth grade, I went to um, my high school, the high school I was about to be going to the following year. I went to their production of Footloose because my sister uh, was a trombone player and she was playing in the pit. And so uh, we went to go see that and, oh wait, no, it wasn't Footloose. It was Bye Bye Birdie. That was the first one I saw. Mm. And when I saw the guy playing Conrad, they had this cool like extension of the stage that like came out into the audience. And he was like really doing the like full Conrad Elvis shtick and like getting everybody into it. And I was like, oh, he heated this room up real fast. I want to go to there. I want to be that guy immediately. And yeah. then, uh, and then when I got to high school, I started doing shows. Um, and it was a lot of things where I would like, I would audition for the show and get the role. And then I would tell my mom and she'd be like, I tried to tell you about this show three years ago and you didn't want to hear about it. Like the biggest one was Pippin. She tried to get me interested in Pippin. Uh, also Stephen Schwartz, another one who you can't go wrong with for, for making some music. Um, but she tried to get me interested in Pippin and it wasn't until I did the show that I was like, oh, this is incredible. This is a wonderful mm -hmm. show. And then she definitely had a lot of I told you so moments with that. Classic Jordan's mom, Melissa mm, McCarthy. Classic. She, Miss, Miss Melissa did eat it up in Little Mermaid. Like, Oh, absolutely. I, she, uh, she was having poor, fun. Poor Unfortunate Souls, I think, was the biggest. Like, you, Pat Carroll did amazing with it, the original one. 
But like, I think that's the best translation from the original uh, to mm-hmm. like live action. I thought it looked so good. Um, it looked, I, uh, here's, here's my thing with that. It looked really, really good. Makeup was incredible. Lighting was great. The effects were really, really good. Melissa McCarthy is a wonderful performer and I absolutely adore most of the things that she does. Having said that, the fact that we didn't get a drag queen to play that role is an absolute crying shame. It yeah. is just it's such an absolute missed opportunity for representation. And yep. I, it, it bums me out to no end, especially because the design of that character was based on Divine, with, you know, obviously like one of the most famous drag queens of all time. So definitely a missed opportunity. I agree everything with what you said. I don't know if Disney would have done that, but... Um, they were well yeah they probably wouldn't have but but it should have been but uh, it should that being have been. said i'm also very glad that it was melissa mccarthy as opposed to what i wanted a couple years ago which was lizzo but now we're like okay maybe maybe yeah. just take age I, badly yeah lizzo and that's the thing is it just it wouldn't have aged well melissa yeah. mccarthy has stood the test of time she's been working for so long she's been a, a stalwart force in comedy now for a number of years and she's just so crazy talented sometimes melissa mccarthy is one of those people where um i wish that we lived in an alternate dimension where she was on snl yeah a lot it's of people surprising that, that, that she wasn't but one of my like in freshman year of college i really went down like an snl rabbit hole and it was like by that point like past the like peak snl like of my generation well, um, I was gonna say, yeah. What's what's peak SNL? Because like Lauren, uh, Lauren Michaels always says, you know, it's sort of that thing of um, your favorite cast is always the cast like when you're in middle school and high school. Is that true for you? I feel like that's the one that like the people who grew up watching SNL. I wasn't the biggest SNL girly, um, but like freshman year, like Cecily Strong, Kate McKinnon were there. Like mm. um, oh, Leslie, oh my god, the Girl Power Trump. 2.0 on SNL. That that thing yeah. was. There was so there was so much awesome feminine energy on that show in such a like incredible. The way. one of the ones that I really loved was the Ariana Grande song that they did um, about like being a woman. Like uh, I'll find it and send it to you later. Um, maybe I'll put okay, it yeah, as yeah. the outro. But um, Melissa McCarthy had one that my favorite SNL skit that uh, was from that era was uh, she was on like basically like wheel of fortune sort of game uh with mm-hmm. um what's his name beck bennett as the host of, and well, she's a character. if, if yeah. you're doing and a she, game show sketch in that era it's beck bennett hosting um and she was like it's past the mash like and like it was just cracking up and i can't find it on youtube anymore but like that one like a just lot the of way them she disappear yeah she was like i would like to buy a vowel um and it, she she just ate it up um well so. she um she was a groundling that's where she got her start. And so it's like, it makes so much sense that she's so incredible in all of these comedies because oh, she now got, it's back you know, online. Okay, one, they found it. I'll one, send of it the best, one of the best educations you can get in comedy at Groundlings. So yeah, um, I think she was, I think she was with Kristen Wiig. She, no, she was, um, she was in Dak Shepard's class. So it was Dak Shepard and Melissa McCarthy, and there were a few others in that group with them, but they were all in the same group. Now, I feel like in the early 2010s, we were living in a good era of comedy, like between Bridesmaids, just to like, um, I feel like, like that was like kind of like the last era of like, uh, like, because we've discussed this individually, like, there's not a ton of comedies that come out anymore, like straight comedies. um, 
unless you're looking for strays or um, other. Uh, actually, I feel like you would like Bottoms if you haven't seen it yet. I haven't. I've heard really, really good things. I like it's everybody. Super campy. It. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, what are like? If you are there, like, besides Adam Sandler movies, like, are there three, maybe one, two, or three movies that you think of like peak comedy film that like you feel inspired by or like you absolutely adore yeah definitely um i think anchorman is is gonna be the number one on that list um, your face did light up when it was on in the break room oh my god because it's just like it, it's just so funny and like you rarely go more than 30 seconds without laughing at something in anchorman and it's also one of those films where uh when you watch it at the same rate that you're laughing you're these days you're like whoa i can't believe they were in that movie too because it's just so many famous faces and then kind of on that same note um probably um 40 year old virgin mm -hmm. it's again just like it, i mean the the list is is endless of, of the fun that that is in that film um so i think yeah anchorman 40 year old virgin and then Hmm. It was definitely that Adam McKay Will Ferrell era was. Oh, you know what? I it, it has to be another Will Ferrell one because this one just was another one where I was like, "This is so goofy and fun." Uh, the other guys. Okay. Just so okay. so good, but like so those kind of movies and the 2010s, like around Bridesmaids, was kind of the end of what I call uh, just a point and shoot comedy which is basically in my uh, uh, perception, just like uh, you have the loose storyline and you have the beats you need to hit in the scene. And then you just set up your camera and you let incredible comedians improvise. And that's the kind of thing that we don't make anymore because we just, you know, the studios and streamers don't want to invest money into an unknown entity that's why we want to you know pick up projects that are based on ips because they have a built-in fan base and that way we know that we're getting x number of dollars on these projects but like uh, it just doesn't compare with the magic of having incredible performers all doing what they do together yeah and i mean that was like my biggest concern when i read that deadpool 3 was still gonna go without letting ryan reynolds improv and i was like Ooh. well you know what made me feel better about that is that ultimately with Deadpool, you can ADR a lot of those jokes True. in there. Because he has and a mask. so like, well, because he has a mask. But then what you do lose is people's reactions to his improvising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And he's but that was like, back. I mean, that was like kind of one of the last in your terms point and shoot type of things where like that I can think of at least. Um, uh, who are your comedy influences? Um, I wanted to ask, like, is the Lonely Island like some uh, trio that you uh, love? I mean, they're of course. I think they're and all Jewish. At least two of them are. Like, I I've never actually looked that up. I I would assume I know Andy is. What? I would assume no. that yeah, what? I would assume that Akiva is, um, just based on his last name, and then Yorma, oh, no. Yorma is not. I don't think. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Yorma's the outlier. Yorma. I would assume that Yorma's probably not. Um, yeah, and and saying that Hot Rod also comes onto that list of just comedies that just make me feel good. Um, because again, it's just like it's just like what's happening here. It's just very very silly. 
Um, and again, another one where you're like, wow, oh my God, like Danny McBride, Bill Hader, just like the, even Isla Fisher is incredible in that movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, I The Lonely Island was big for me because when they were doing their digital shorts, that was when I was like really starting to uh, like study how to make movies and television like in school i was lucky enough to go to a high school that had a tv and film program and so i started studying that when the digital shorts were coming out and so it was definitely like i can see the way that they're doing this and for the first time in my life not only am i appreciating the fact that i'm enjoying this from a comedy standpoint but i'm also like oh okay i see how they did this because they the they didn't hide a lot of things they kind of like it was all very surface level did you ever see their their uh, uh failed not failed and didn't go anywhere so I guess you can't call it but failed their attempt at a sitcom. I did not know. It's incredible. It's called Awesome Town. Okay. And it's like it's uh it's like a sketch show. Uh, it feels like um kind of like somewhere between like the state and oh it's on YouTube. And... Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like somewhere in between the state and Key and Peel. Um and Peel. It's just, again, it's just goofy, weird fun. Um, but they were definitely big for me. Love it. Um, one of my big pop culture blind spots is pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping. But I do love um, one specific song that, it has another name, but I only know it as the Bin Laden song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one was definitely like... Um, that one felt like pop star felt like, um, Oh, by the way, like we can make movies too. Like yeah. we can make like commercially successful movies in case anybody was. And have you seen the Chippendales that. movie? Directed yes. by oh my God. It was so good. It was so much fun. It just like, it, it didn't need to be as substantial and funny as it was. It's and the modern they, day they rabbit with more comedy. A hundred percent. Yes. That is absolutely accurate. Yeah. Um, so, um, when you turned 19, you moved out this way, or when you were 19, I don't know if it was like on your birthday, you were like, I'm moving, but, um, you moved out to LA to pursue the arts, the art mm. talents. Um, what was like the biggest draw to you when you first moved out here? Like, was it the comedy? Was it the acting? Was it everything? Was it just like, I mean, the city of dreams? I don't know if that's one of the unofficial nicknames of LA, but. I mean, I think it is, um, but you're in La La Land. I mean, yeah, and, and that's kind of what it was, because like, so I, I did a little bit of research before I moved out here, but not as much as I should have. And like, that's why I said before it was a silly idea for a 19 year old to do it. I'm extremely happy that I did it, but like, I would I recommend somebody who's 19 moving across the country with no family, no friends out there? No, that's a very very difficult thing. Um, but I think, so when I was, uh, deciding like, okay, I'm moving out. I want to become an actor. I want to really do this. I don't want to study this in school. I want to learn as I do it. Um, the decision came down to, okay, am I going to New York? Am I going to Chicago? Am I going to Los Angeles? No, and Vancouver. No. no, Vancouver wasn't, Vancouver wasn't on the list at that point. I, I wasn't even like in enough into the industry to know that that was a thing. I knew, well, I guess I knew, um, I knew Toronto because, yeah. um, for my 14th birthday, my dad got me an anthology book of, uh, the second city, 
was just mm-hmm. like the history of the second city. So I knew that Toronto had a comedy scene, but it was like, I'm all right, I'm 19 years old. I'm already planning on moving out of my home. I'm not also going to emigrate to a different country. Um, and so it was like, okay, do I go to New York and maybe follow this like musical theater passion and then like kind of do comedy on the side, um, and just go for like, you know, kind of procedurals and stuff like that. Do I go to Chicago and go like full fledged comedy, go to second city and like really do the comedy thing? Or do I go to Los Angeles and try and do everything all at once? And if you don't know me, doing everything all at once is very, very much my personality type. Uh, I Michelle Yeoh, very, Jordan Catcher, pretty much the same person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ultimately what sold it for me was like I grew up in a place that had cold winters, <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I've had this for eighteen years now. Why not go somewhere warm? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just it really felt like kind of the best of both worlds, where like I had groundlings second city when i moved here there was still io over here um and ucb and then um i obviously like the rest of the film industry and then i was like there's probably a musical theater scene out here i was wrong about that um but uh I mean, there yeah, probably is but like it's very there different. there is it's just it's very different than new york <laughs> which i mean i wouldn't want to have been I did a couple like open calls before I moved out. Like when I was just like, um, when I had just graduated high school, I went and did a couple open calls for Broadway shows and I got like a couple callbacks and it felt good, but I was like, there, I, I don't, there's too many people doing the musical theater thing. And they're like crazy, crazy talented, especially in the dancing way. I'm a mover. I'm not a dancer. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the thing that locked me in on, on LA. I wish I, you had been at, uh steven's party we did a dance class it, it i know giving, i know it was I heard. giving uh dance rehearsals <laughs> yeah totally shelton should direct a musical we should we should have someone direct the musical we should we should do a musical let's just do a musical yeah. i've always wanted to be a director i mean uh maybe this is more of like a youth musical but i think the perfect musical the best musical like in terms of like musical theater numbers like there, I feel like it would be such a fun musical to direct a goofy movie. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I hear people talk about wanting to do that as a stage version so often. It's so fun and like when really I was, heartfelt and great music. When I was 12, I was like, okay, I'm gonna pitch, like write the script version, the book for, um, or like the, the, is it the book? No, I'm going to write the book for the um, goofy movie and then I'll find someone to like, do the musical arrangements and but i was like yeah. I'm 12 year old i don't know what the hell i'm doing i'm honestly like a little bit surprised it hasn't happened yet at least maybe i don't want it to like be a whole scale movie, musical, but i think but it's like, a musical yeah or even just like the way that they're doing um rogers right now uh at disneyland yeah I feel like that would be the perfect venue for agree uh, musical i still need to see that um, i still yeah me too they just released um the soundtrack Oh, cool. I only know yeah. Save the City because of Hawkeye, but... Well, yeah, sure, yeah. of course. I can do this all day! Yeah, so good. What's your go-to um, audition song? Oh, I mean, it depends on the vibe. Um, Is it Santa are Fe? We talking, are we talking, like... <laughs> I do I do love a good Santa Fe. Who doesn't? Um, when we were torturing like, Jocelyn, uh, when we got to the Tenement Alley stuff, Jocelyn oh, was like, oh, you mean, like, every single tenor audition song? Yeah, yeah, of course. There's, it's it is the go-to tenor audition song. Um, yeah. When I was tour training, um, Brad was like, 
does anybody know anything that's shot in this area? And I went, that's Santa Fe, right? And he went, Jordan, of course you know that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what, I'm just going to diss my boy Kenny Ortega? Um, but uh, uh, We didn't talk about High School Musical. That, we're going to circle back to that. Um, yeah. So but what, what are your audition songs? And then we'll circle back to the HSC. Well, what's the vibe here? Are we going for like romantic lead? Are we what, doing what? funny best friend? It's, well, cause Let's do like a drama... Is- a comedy romance or like something like dramatic. I got you something, already. I got you. side character and then something main character. Um, so it's from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And um, uh, yeah, that was a forum. <laughs> um, I can't remember what the name of the song is, but it's basically just like um, it's the, the male lead. He's addressing the audience and he's basically telling the audience like, um, like I, I'm feeling these things and like from, oh, it's about love I hear. Um, and it's basically him being like, so I've heard that uh, this is what happens to you when you're in love, but I'm not in love. I've never been in love. So I don't know if that's what's happening to me. My dumbass did not realize this was about like ancient, the Roman empire. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought it, a little funny thing happened on the way to the forum was like this fifties, like music man type musical until just now. No, yeah. Today yeah. I learned. It's like, most men think about the Roman Empire, including Stephen Sondheim. Yep, definitely. Justin yeah, he's on, the, he's on that list for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's for that vibe. I'm going love, I hear. Um, yeah. And then what about like, so is that like your comedy vibe? Or is that your drama? Um, drama? Well, that that's more like, um, that's more like kind of like the romantic drama uh, piece like just to show like there is there's definitely some like kind of like subtle tongue-in-cheek comedy in that song but if i'm going like straight up comedy um there's um uh it's your wedding day from wedding singer i'll go for that one or um did you ever watch uh central park on apple tv i have not no Great, great show. Well, first season. I haven't made my way through the second yet. Um, gr- fantastic cast. And they did that SpongeBob musical thing of having a bunch of different artists do the soundtrack. And there's an Alan Menken song uh, in that show that Josh Gad's character performs. Uh, and it's called Spoiler Alert. And so Josh Gad's character is the narrator. Uh, and he's like getting so excited about what's about to happen in the story that he has to bleep himself from spoiling the story to the audience. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I, that's a go-to. My assumption was going to be a different Josh Cad musical, The Book of Mormon, but um... yeah, I mean, I the thing about book is that um, it's hard for me not to just do josh gad and andrew rannells like i yeah. just like when i sing those songs i just do impressions of them and mm-hmm. like i don't you need to love... be you yeah exactly and so like i feel with those other songs i can kind of like bring a little bit of myself to the table as opposed to just like yeah okay he sounds like josh gad he sounds like andrew rannells which like there are worse things to sound like um now we got to circle back to one of my favorite musicals high school musical wow the decom era in the house yeah we're do- yeah what what are your favorite decoms or like it doesn't have to be a decom if it's like a Nickelodeon movie of the same generation like what what are no, you like no no we can we can go we can go decom for sure um so the first one I ever saw was Eddie's Million Dollar Cookout um or cook off rather cook off um, did you want the purple syrup thing 
so bad. Oh my god! I assumed that it was incredible. Um, and that was that was before or like just as Disney Channel was like, yeah, we're gonna be part of your regular cable package instead of being the add-on thing. And mm. so uh, I watched that at my friend Taylor's house, and I was like, oh, this was awesome because it was kind of foreshadowing the way that I felt with High School Musical because my dad um, was also a chef, and so uh, kind of balance. Cats. He does, and that's part of where I got it from. Also from my grandfather. He was also, he was, like I said, an actor. Now, artist. the grandfather you referenced earlier, the actor, that's your paternal grandfather? Uh, no, my maternal yeah. grandfather. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the first time where I was like, oh, people can like sports and also like creative things. Because I was like, I was very much a sports kid. I would like, I played sports all year round. If I wasn't playing a team sport, I was with my friends out of field playing sports you know so that was the first time that i was like oh cool people can but be not and athletic. a concussion sport no no concussion sports uh no cte I mean, honestly, for me though, cte i did get a concussion on swim team so it happens like i got did kicked in the head the during wall? practice you got kicked in the head during oh my backstroke God. yeah yeah that'll do it what were then, is that what else did you swim besides backstroke oh so that was just during practice we were doing backstroke i was a backstroke kid but my main stroke was breaststroke mm, um same. that was my best um and then uh i also got a concussion in volleyball because i got spiked in the head um mm. so yeah i've had a couple of concussions for a fat boy that wasn't good at sports dang but i i did um, i did swim team i did water polo for a season um oh, i've never played like organized water polo it looks so impressive it's so fun. My brother is a big water polo guy because he was talented enough that when they cut the JV program, uh, I did it in ninth grade because I went to a fancy private school where they had that program. So they did it. They had JV in ninth grade. And then by the time I got to 10th grade, I wasn't good enough to be on the varsity because they cut the JV program. So I was the goalie my freshman year. And that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, but yeah, no, we should, we should, once, once this all heals, we should get a organized water polo game happening. Yes, definitely. All water sports. We should play a torpedo league too. Nice. Um, um, but what but, were your sports? Uh, uh, I so like uh, early days. I was uh, soccer, baseball, basketball. Those were the main ones. Um, and then I picked up cross country around high school. Um, and then around that same time, I also picked up ultimate frisbee, which became you do give my, frisbee, bro. I appreciate that. That's I take that as a compliment, um, whether it's intended to or, or not. It is you know a compliment. You know what drives me crazy sometimes, though, is like uh, uh, sometimes when you just tell people you play ultimate frisbee, they laugh. Yeah. People don't do that when you play other sports. When you say I play basketball, nobody laughs. You just no. you just like yeah, that's a sport. I just like after playing so many sports, frisbee is more of a sport than golf. If you ask me, I don't know. That's for me. sure. Golf is a game. You know what? Golf is a game, and it's a golf is a competition but it's not a sport. Well, it's a, it's a sport. Don't get me wrong. That's another cancel we'll take. Um, but yeah, so around high school, uh, I started picking up ultimate Frisbee and like with other sports, I was like, I had to work hard to be good at them. But ultimate Frisbee was the first time that like from the moment I stepped onto a field and had a disc in my hand, I was naturally very What in your hand? A disc, a disc, bro. Well, Frisbee is a trademark term unless it's a whammo brand frisbee it's not a frisbee it's a disc so uh so from the second that i had my my disc in my hand i just like I, it was the first time that i was like oh i feel very good at this sport naturally and then like i also because i had to work so hard in other sports 
paired that with a little bit of natural talent and and I got pretty good at Ultimate Frisbee for a long time. There is still no good Ultimate Frisbee movie out there and there really needs to be. Um, right. Just again, putting that out there. It's she's coming. She's coming. We got the board up there. Um, but um, yeah, so those were those were kind of my main uh, sports. And then being somebody who was playing basketball and then also doing the plays and doing the musicals, obviously High School Musical was like very, very much a resonator with me. I was like, oh, I feel so seen right now. Um, and like, I definitely, I gave Troy Bolton vibes for sure. Yeah. Um, but circling back on that, there's more Disney Channel original movies that I loved. Um, Smart House. Great film. One Smart of the House first podcasts incredible. I've ever done in my career. Was, a smart was house about smart house? Yep. Really? Yeah. So you know, um, you know who directed it, right? LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow. I Star learned Trek. that this year. And Community. And you learned Community, that this year? That's yeah. I did. I had no idea that LeVar. I just I was on his IMDb randomly. I was like, I wonder where LeVar Burton got his start. And then I was like, Oh, he directs sometimes. And then I went to his page and I was like, Smart House? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, the scene where they're dancing yeah. lives rent free in my head. Just like the random oh. dance at the start of the party, just for no reason. Yeah. But I love it. Well, in front of that like big giant yeah. Uh, screen. Yeah, like yeah, boy yeah, band. yeah. Yeah. Um Don't obviously jump the even house Stevens movie. Yes. Yeah. Even Stevens movie is wonderful. Um a decon blonde spot, if you ask me. Was Clock Stoppers Disney Channel? No, it's Paramount and Nickelodeon movie, but like I think that it was in sense. theaters. But like it's a great film. I remember it when is, I watched it for the first we'll time. Um, I watched Clock Stoppers while my parents were driving to the Brazilian elections because in the they're usually in Framingham in Massachusetts mm-hmm. because that's a big Brazilian population. So I watched it on the really? computer while they were driving to go cast their votes. Huh. Yeah. Why is that a big Brazilian population there? That's so interesting. It just is. Like Massachusetts has a big Brazil, like Framingham specifically, like the Boston area has a lot of Brazilian immigration. I, I'm going to look this up. Brazilian immigrants... Massachusetts. Yeah, that's really interesting. Brazilian settled in cities. Five uh, percent of Boston's of Massachusetts Brazilian population is in Boston. Why are there hmm. so many Brazilians in Massachusetts? Uh, I don't know. Well, well, this is an off. <laughs> I don't know. Off that's podcast. what Google said. It's not good when you Google something and Google's answer. Is, I don't know what it. Why is that? Well, um, I'm assuming is, at least for my parents, like. They moved, went to Boston has a lot of colleges. And then um, so maybe like if they go for school and then stay in the Boston area, that, sure. that's like kind of what happened to my parents. So um, I don't know what I will. I will ask when my dad gets here today. I'll ask if he knows why. And then I will well, tell I'm you exci- when I'm I excited to learn. Yeah, I'm excited to learn that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so High School Musical was obviously very like it was super big. It was literally just like, oh, I feel like this is about me. Have you dabbled into the high school musical the musical the series i haven't um i'm open to it it seems like one of those things i want to wait until Watch it's it. done so, so i can just oh it's done it's done whole... oh it is it's officially done yes and it and ends like... in a weird place in the middle of the, of the school year even though it's supposed to like i don't know i'll i can i can break it down for you in the break room i can do a whole powerpoint about it if you want um i would <laughs> okay. sh- recommend clips you should watch Olivia Rodrigo's The Rose Song. So good. Okay. Uh, All right. It's Olivia Rodrigo in general, but um, I'll give you the it highlights. Sounded, for a second, it sounded like you said Shrekamend. 
Um, and I don't know how, but I'm going to need to be working that into my everyday speech from now on. Recommendations? Just, yeah, just, just some when you recommended you made a movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's probably it. Um, that was another one that I was like enamored with as a kid because I was just like, oh, what a like incredible cast, so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you love the Mike Myers. Oh, of course, and like, yeah, like Austin Powers, Wayne's World, it, the, the, all all of his stuff was always in heavy rotation for sure. Uh, besides Smart House and Eddie's and the High School Musical trilogy. Um, any other decomp stand out? Were you a Halloween Town um, guy? No, I wasn't a Halloween Town guy. Um, there's that um, um, Johnny Tsunami. Mm-hmm. Johnny That's Tsunami was up there. Um, there was another one that had the kid from who played um, Twitty in Even Stevens. I think um, it was a like an inline roller skating. Oh, Brink. Brink. Yes. Yeah, break did a podcast on that one too. too with my friend Robbie. Um, and then um, Irish, what Lucky the Irish? Oh, Lucky the Irish was so good. Oh my god, I love Wait, that movie so much. The one about the Orthodox boys' school that plays basketball, Full Court Miracle. Full Court Miracle, of course, I saw that. Full Court Miracle. Five out of five on Letterbox for me. That like I've Full seen Court. it one time. I did a podcast on it. My friend Sarah was like, "You got to watch this for Hanukkah." Like. Okay, yeah. cool. You just got to do the podcast with me because I am not Jewish. Even though, like, I yeah. grew up actually, my town was very Jewish, and I only got invited to one bar slash bat mitzvah in my middle school, and I was so sad because th- I was like so jealous that they got to have these big parties, and I, I never got invited. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I love that movie. It's like legitimate. Me really too. And it's Abby Linz, Max Keeble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That full court miracles was such a big one for me, and like for some reason, the thing that resonated with me the most in full court miracle was just um, the idea of like a middle school kid walking up to a full grown adult adult and being like, "This is what you should be doing with your time." That was very much the kind of kid that I was. Like, I would just I would go talk to anybody about anything, and so like yeah. that part of that movie definitely resonated for sure. Um, but yeah, those were those were all. So, oh, oh, wait. Um, is it Pixel Perfect? Is that what it's called? Where the Picture, like, the yeah, digit- no, Pixel Perfect, yeah, right? With the the, the, the rock star who's a hologram, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I, I've only I seen the first act oh my because god. I was watching it and then they went to commercial. And then my mom woke up and was like, Go to bed, you have school tomorrow. And I was like, oh. mm. Of so that same finished. era, um, jumping uh for me up two channels uh do you remember all of the channels for your like li- what station they were yeah, i know i think i remember the big three i think nickelodeon was 25 disney channel was 24 and then uh cartoon network was 60 i think mm, oh that's a big jump for cartoon network mine was yeah. uh 31 was disney 32 was cartoon network 33 was nickelodeon which like how nice. great to just do 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 um but uh all that obviously because i was such an snl person all that was just like as a kid when they did that like we're looking for our newest cast member could could it be you uh and then they just wound up going with jamie spears i was like oh this is nepotism that was my first instance of being like oh you have to know people huh your your sister has to be the biggest pop star in the world in order for you to uh to get any recognition but i love i love all that it was also the 13th year as a swim team boy i love that movie so much sure sure um and uncle joey's in it dave coulier he's the dad Mm. problematic um yeah 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. That's sad. Oh yeah. We'll talk offline. Do, uh, do yeah. Do do a little bit of do a little bit of research into. Well, his, I know about him and Alanis Morissette. Yeah. That's that's pretty much the oh, okay. the, the beginning and end of why Dave Coulier is problematic, <laughs> as far as what I know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, speaking, I'm assuming Bob Saget might be an influence of yours. Um, you know, he was kind of a blind uh, blind spot. Um, stand up wise, I loved Full House. It was probably one of my favorite sitcoms growing up. Um, but yeah, no, I never really, I didn't get into his standup until later in life. And then obviously once I got into it, I was yeah. enamored. He was but like, yeah, so wonderful. I did want to ask who are your creative influences, whether it's standup, whether it's sketch comedy. I mean, we've talked a couple about them, Robin Williams, Adam Sandler, The Lonely Island, but like who else is there that like really inspires you that like is an influence in your style, in your brand? Um, I think it's definitely, it, it's a lot of what we talked about with Will Ferrell, Andy Samberg, um, uh, definitely um, Adam Sandler, uh, Jim Carrey is high up on that list. Um, um, I, he's, I, I mean, not in the same way, but Daryl Hammond was massive for me, just like being somebody who does voices and impressions, watching somebody do it to that high degree was so cool. Um and then like, as we kind of move forward into, if we're getting out of medium and into large days, um, uh, Dimitri Martin was so big for me, um, but only by way of Stephen Wright, who was also really big. Cause like they both had that kind of like deadpan dry delivery, which like, I always respected comics like that because you, the content has to be hilarious. You can't use your personality to make a joke funny if it's not funny the words have to be funny and mathematically scientifically it has to be funny and i love that um and then uh bo burnham obviously huge for me um being you know kind of like a a whimsical theatery kind of guy who's also dipping his toes into comedy that was when i found bo on youtube in the early days i was like yep this is this speaks to my soul for sure uh, but yeah those were probably probably the big ones up in there yeah. Um, and then in terms of um, the like uh, movies and um, TV shows that influence you, like what kind of content would you love to create besides the next SNL? Well, sure. I mean, I don't care to create the next SNL. I'd love to be on SNL. Hi. Hi. Hi, Lord Michaels. Hi, I want to be on it. Oh, my God. That that. Oh, my. What was that kid's name? Um you know who I'm talking about, the one flash in the pan uh, TikTok guy who made that. Um, I want to be the next SNL cast member. I don't know. I <laughs> know Yodel Boy. <laughs> the poor guy. Um, he was just doing what he did. Um, and then he deleted his account, I think. Jake Novak. Um, but um, uh, Not BJ? <laughs> no, not BJ. Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, yeah, SNL, I, I, that's a massive massive goal for anybody who does comedy um but i i definitely want to make i want to make movies that make people laugh but also make people feel things and uh think about their own feelings and think about their relationships i i definitely want to make movies that are just silly for the sake of being silly but i also want to make people feel things i just my goal in every single art craft that i participate in is um there's this really sappy thing that i always come back to so basically there's this um there's this really really nice type of violin 
um, I think it's called um, a virtuoso violin. It's like they're going to do the joke the that Big Dog one time got me with. <laughs> no, what's this? What's what's this joke? He was like, "What's that thing called? Like the violin, but it's like the Irish one." And I'm like, "A fiddle." And he's like, "Fiddle these nuts." <laughs> That's a great one. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him walk into that with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna set him up for that. Yeah. Um. But no, no. So it's it's trust. This is this this isn't a a, a bald joke. It's uh we're getting deep here. Um. So it's a virtuoso violin. It's the best violin in the world. And basically, like if you were to set re- uh regular violins across the room from the virtuoso violin, and then you were to play a G on the virtuoso violin, it is such a pure sound coming off of the virtuoso violin that it makes the other violins across the room hum a G. And that is how I feel about all of the art that I create. I want to so clearly resonate my feelings in my art that it makes other people feel those feelings. So no matter what I do, whether it's being wacky and silly and doing like a Billy Madison style comedy or doing something with a little bit more heart that really makes you kind of think about what's going on in your life and your relationships either way. I just, I just want to make stuff that makes people feel things. Yeah. And then I know for me, like it's important to show up and create stories that I didn't have. I know we've talked about your Jewish identity, mental health stuff. Um, Like, is that important for you to showcase like the future generations? Like you want like the next Jordan who may not be from Jersey, who might just be like from Bumblefuck, Iowa, that's mm-hmm. just like this Jewish kid, like you want them to feel representation on screen if they don't have it in their community. A hundred percent. I mean, I definitely, I want to give representation to as many people as I can give representation to. Um, and that definitely includes being Jewish. It includes uh, dealing with depression and anxiety, things that I've struggled with throughout my life. I think that it's important that society talks about them. It's important that media uh, portrays them in a way that isn't inherently negative or overwhelming and that it shows that people can can deal with these things instead of kind of like needing to feel like they have no other choice in how to deal with it but especially for men I think it's really important to show people dealing with their emotions there's definitely the generation or two generations above ours and every generation before us, it's just like, we've gotten incrementally better and better about talking about mental health, but I feel like men definitely open up to it a lot slower. And so the big form of representation that I would like to give to people who maybe feel the same way that I do is definitely mental health, but it's also um, feeling comfortable in being silly and being, open and being a little bit flamboyant sometimes and knowing that that is an okay thing to do because it makes you happy and it, and it feels good. For sure. And I mean, I was going to tell you this off air, but now, but like for me, you're actually someone that's been very important for me to meet, like in terms of my own confidence in identity, because like, I don't know, uh, even though like you're straight and I'm bi, like I've always struggled with like feeling comfortable with my masculinity and like being a little fruity. Like I'm not, the most masculine presenting guy, like in terms of like my mannerisms, I like, I like fruity drinks more than like necessarily like just knocking back beers. Uh, I, I like, I like musical theater. I like Disney channel movies and like, just like getting to know you, you've like boosted my own confidence. And like, there are people who I think are so cool, like Jordan, who are just like being him and like, just like be yourself and it's okay to be yourself. And I think that's like, something one of my favorite things about like 
meeting you was like, oh, I have felt a little bit more confident since getting to know you. And like, just even like asking you some questions like about like, what's it like to like, like the discussion that we've had a couple of times about like flirting versus rhythm, um, like mm. the, that like conversation, like that, like was something small that I was like, oh, it's just like, every, you can flirt with anyone. It's just like, you just have to like, you have the confidence to do it. And I just like, I have feel like the nine months since I've known you, I feel like I have grown yeah. into a better version of myself, just having uh, met you being your friend. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate getting to know you, especially like, I think like you're a t- couple years older than me. So you have a little bit more wisdom to impart on me. Um, so I appreciate sure. it. I mean, look in the, in the grand scheme of things, we're all just blips on, on, on blips, on blips, on blips, but I am, that is so sweet of you to say, and I'm so appreciative that I've been able to impact you in this positive way. I, I definitely didn't always have people who were telling me that it was okay to, to be flamboyant, but also masculine at the same time and to kind of mix the feminine with the masculine energy. And so the fact that I can share that with somebody and it resonates with them, that that's it. That's, that's why I do this. Obviously there's a self aggrandizing part of all of this and I do it for myself, but for the part that I give out into the world, it's, it's that right there. So it's really incredible that you just shared that. And I really, yeah. And that's just like you going about your day, bopping along in your life. And like, you probably didn't maybe not have even realized like that, like it meant a little bit. To I, me. like, I, I didn't. And I'm really, like I said, I'm really glad that you shared that with me because that's, that's super powerful. And that makes me feel very, very happy and appreciative uh, to you for, yeah, for sharing that with a lot me. Of other people out there that you can inspire with your stories. Um, I hope so. As we wind things down, you are a podcaster yourself. Um, what is your, mm-hmm. A fascination with true crime because like i'm actually i know the story but like uh what's your experience with true crime i think it's so fascinating i think well so like my i don't really have a fascination with true crime i uh i like history yeah and history obviously overlaps with true crime often um but i just kind of like kind of fell backwards into the true crime world i started out just doing um voiceover on a uh, true crime reenactment podcast called um, The Original Dead Time Stories. That's a wonderful, wonderful reenactment podcast um, created by and directed and uh, usually written by the incredible Skylar Fastenow. Um, and uh, he brought me in for one episode and then I just kind of kept coming back. And I, I, it's so fun because I get to do one of the things that I love uh, about voice acting, which we didn't even really talk about cartoons, yeah. which is wild. Um, but Mel Blanc was such a massive influence for me. And then the other Mel, Mel Brooks, also huge. But what I loved about Mel Blanc... We don't talk about the third one. <laughs> no, no, we don't talk about the third one. No, he And he wouldn't like the first two. Um, but um, so one of the things I loved about Mel Blanc was that he could do multiple voices. And so uh, when I uh, started doing Dead Time Stories, I started playing multiple characters all in the same episode. And that was kind of like a cross off the bucket list for me creatively, where I got to do scenes opposite myself, which was a fun creative challenge. And then from there, Skylar um, and his incredible husband, Daniel Jones, who produces those shows, um, asked if I had any ideas for shows. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, does it have to be true crime related? They're like, yeah, that's our brand. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Let me think about that. And then I came back to them with this really fun game show called True Crime, False Crime, which is just kind of like, it's just me being like a little devious. And so I get to, you know, I get to 
have fun interactions with people. I get to play a little game and it's basically just, I tell you about a true crime, uh, but it's not necessarily always true. Sometimes I made it up. And so you have to kind of figure out if it's true or not. And I you just, get to yeah, flex those creative muscles, come up with some fake true crimes. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do and a little bit of writing. Get to be behind a mic, practice your voice performance, mm-hmm. even if it's not acting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like on stage persona. Um, like, yeah. I mean, for me, like one of the first, like, people that I saw that I was like dream job Ryan Seacrest hosting American Idol I was like I want to do this like I would love it, to be a game show uh, host it wasn't Brian Dunkelman that did that for you it was Ryan Seacrest <laughs> I didn't watch that season uh no but like I think Jeff Probst has like Julie Chen like these people have like such cool jobs yeah. they get to like host reality tv um like it's a really like, unique skill set to I mean, do very Steve very- Harvey legend mm-hmm. I, I think Kiki Palmer needs to be the next host of Family Feud though Oh, that would be incredible. Unless really, it's me really or you, that. obviously. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, on the hosting front, um, Joel McHale, uh, when he did the, the soup, soup. Yeah. that was also really, really big for me. Yeah. Um, is Conan O'Brien at all an inspiration for you at all? No, not really. There was not really. It was like there was some kind of there was some kind of barrier there that like I didn't really get into him until much, much later uh, until he was kind of out of the late night game. It was really his last season that I was like, okay, maybe I'll start checking in on this. And like everything I've seen since then is wonderful. And like, I didn't know it, but I was enjoying Conan, whether it was through his writing on SNL or through his writing on the Simpsons, I was enjoying his comedy, but I just like, for some reason with him on camera, I had a hard time getting there, but obviously now I, I love it. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Any podcasts that influence you? Any any like game shows that we didn't discuss? Like there's so much other stuff that we could probably dig deep in. Game shows didn't really inspire me. I definitely, I mean, you know, you know, I liked I liked Jeopardy. I liked Jeopardy because I liked White Man Can't Jump. That was why I liked Jeopardy, because I was like, oh yeah, the original, not this new trash with show. um Jack Harlow, right? Look, as I said before, I'm not too mad at it. It's not. It, I just it's not one side of beef with Jack on. Harlow. Well, I'm not mad at it. It's it's a it's a silly movie. That's that's yeah. not incredible, but I'm not mad at it. Um, but yeah, game shows didn't really do anything for me that much. Um, what was the other thing you said? I don't podcasts. What were oh, on? podcasts? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. The... This was a good warm up. We should start the podcast now. Um, right? but um. Uh, I think uh, Armchair Expert, definitely uh, really, really cool um, to hear kind of those behind the scenes stories. There's a Vulture podcast um, called Good One. And it basically, it's about stand-up comedy. And so they bring on a comic every episode and they um, they play a joke from earlier in their career. And we hear what uh, made the comic think of that joke, how oh, that joke changed like over the years, how they learned and grew through doing those jokes. And so like, it's it's kind of, it shows the behind the scenes of standup that you don't see. I might start listening to that. Not yeah, that I have much time is... to add another podcast to my plate, but. That's the thing with podcasts is I only really listen to them during passive times, like driving or walking. And so like, I slowly crawl through them. But then ob- these days it's uh, fly on the wall with um david spade and dana carvey because it's i mean it's an snl podcast you literally yeah. you're, you're getting behind the scenes stories of, are you gonna watch of... the new david spade show snake oil yeah totally <laughs> yeah. um 
I had something that you referenced that I wanted to circle back to, but I do not remember what I was going to ask. So uh, that's why usually I was writing stuff down, but I was not paying attention in that moment. So Yeah, well, sometimes you're just too busy having fun with friends. Right? In the moment. Um, Yeah, no. So uh, we have talked a lot about a lot of different things. Uh, Is there anything else you want to... Oh, this is a very far callback from earlier in the podcast. Isla Fisher, you mentioned her. One mm-hmm. of my favorite movies of all time, Scooby-Doo, because she was Mary Jane. And mm-hmm. we have to reference that, but um, great movie. Is that a stupid comedy that you enjoy? Like these like- Oh, 100%. And like, again, like it, uh, the Hanna-Barbera characters were really, really big for me. Um, and so I that was a, a an adaptation that I was like all on board with, so yeah. happy with the cast. The execution, like Scooby in live action was great. Matthew Lillard, oh my God, an incredible Shaggy. So the um, said that he became the voice of Shaggy for many years until like he quit. Yeah. 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 Well, quit. I don't know. I've heard I've heard a couple different renditions of how that story happened. Um, but that's another one. Um, another thing that we were talking about earlier when um people do multiple movies together, him yeah. and Freddie Prince Jr. um did um uh, Summer Catch together mm-hmm. and with Jessica Beale which like, oh my God, it was such a, such a perfect, like early 2000s movie. Um, but yeah, Scooby-Doo was absolutely massive. Did you ever watch um, Scooby's Wacky Races? Uh, I haven't, but I saw The Reluctant Werewolf where they're basically in a wacky race, the whole uh, Scooby-Doo and The Reluctant Werewolf. So I like- think I think that came just after Wacky Races or just before Wacky Races, but Wacky Races is basically- oh, wait, like, um, this- uh there was like i know wacky race is the show are you talking about a specific scooby-doo like crossover episode or no no i think uh, like it was just i think it, you i thought it was called scooby-doo's wacky races but oh. it might have just been called wacky races but it was like all the hanna-barbera characters all like racing it was just a parody of um uh the great race ah see because yeah. there was the reluctant werewolf which is like scooby-doo and shaggy have to do a race otherwise shaggy's gonna be a werewolf forever um is but, that oh, there's is shaggy one wearing called... a is Shaggy wearing a red shirt in that one? Yeah, red shirt Shaggy. Yeah. Um, with this one. There, I saw girlfriend. a TikTok one time about like why that happens. And it was like, I think it was like if it wasn't produced by Hanna Barbera, he was wearing uh, the red shirt because like they didn't have the rights to like make him wear his iconic clothing. All right. So there's Scooby Doo meets the wacky races. So that's probably what you're talking about. That's probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, all um, those Hanna Barbera characters were so big mcgilla gorilla uh, uh, of course yes uh pink I mean, panther pink panther quick draw mcgraw uh there's also oh, uh, flintstone george jetson oh of course yeah flintstones yeah. and jetsons were were massive for me um and then um what's his face um oh he was a dog and he knew kung fu um kung fu what was it i can't believe i can't remember this character's name crypto was... the super dog no well, of course, crypto, but that's a whole different can of worms. Um, I can't believe I'm, I'm trying to look he this was up. A dog who knew kung fu? He wore like a red robe. Hong Kong he... Fooey? Yes, Hong Kong Fooey, number one super dog. Yeah, yeah, that was Hong Kong Fooey was always really fun. I feel like all of a sudden I want to talk about Monsters Inc. because I feel like is Billy Crystal and John Goodman any like inspirations for you? 
Absolutely. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Billy Crystal is, again, just like a comedy force. He, Him and Robin Williams bring a similar energy uh, and definitely uh, I, Robin has more of an impact on me. But I mean, everything Billy Crystal touches is absolute gold. And then John Goodman, uh, I mean, also incredible. I loved the live action Flintstones as a kid. Um, uh, That's why Speed he keeps Racer a little bit later was super fun. But he's in one of my top three fam- favorite movies of all time, Big Lebowski, which is, I, I'm such a big Coen Brothers fan. And that movie is, I, I think, close to a perfect story about nothing. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, one of my favorite Billy Crystal movies is the one, I forget what it's called, but it's like he's the grandpa and the he has to, the grandpa and the grandma take care of the grandkids and there's an, a kangaroo, uh, f- like, imaginary friend named carl i will look this up and text it to you yeah please do I've um, this doesn't else. carl the kangaroo let's see this parental guidance i saw it on a plane and i cried i don't know really good um anyways let's start winding things down jordan thank you so much for joining me today is there anything Absolutely. else you want to get off your chest anything else you want to talk about and then if there is feel free to share that but then afterwards give us some pop culture plugs something that you think everyone should check out and then of course your jordan catcher plugs where can people keep up with you see what you're up to of course uh no i i think i think we've covered a lot of uh the media that made me i think uh, we've definitely gone over a lot of it and it's been such a, a blast talking about all this stuff and as you said earlier in the podcast this is what you and i talk about when we're at work anyway yeah. just this kind of stuff and like how all of this stuff uh kind of forged who we are as people um and then pop culture plugs i mean if you're unfamiliar with any of the things that we talked about on this podcast, please go watch them. They're That's all the best wonderful. Culture plug yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just like everything that I would like tell somebody to watch is something that we talked about. Here. Start with "Don't um, Eat the Pictures" and end with "Parental Guidance." A hundred percent. That's that's how you go a to z um definitely watch robin williams live at the met uh master class on stand-up comedy um there's a lot of pop culture from the era but even though it, it even if you don't know the pop culture stories it's still just incredible comedy um yeah watch big lebowski i, I not that i have to plug coen brothers movies for them but like go it's it, it's incredible watch mel brooks movies we didn't really talk about them a lot but Blazing Saddles is a near perfect comedy. Um, Young Frankenstein is incredible. No, no small part to do with Mel Brooks or Gene Wilder together. That combination is legendary. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then where can people keep up with you? Where do you want them to follow you if anywhere? They can, they can follow me on all the socials. Uh, you could search my name, Jordan Catcher, K-A-T-C-H-E-R um, uh, on Instagram. I'm what's the catch with a K, um, but TikTok, I'm just Jordan Catcher. And um, you can follow me on all those. I do silly sketches. I do funny characters. Uh, I do some impressions and uh, you can always uh, check out the original dead time stories podcast. You can check out true crime, false crime, my other podcast, the aftermath with the hilarious Ryan pig. And um, sometimes I do stand up comedy. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for those socials and uh, maybe you'll get some dates on there. Fun, fun. Quickly before I drop off my plugs for the week, we did a high school musical, the musical series pod that's in your feed talking about season four with my friend, Sam, uh, mostly negative reviews but we had some fun we talked some positive <laughs> uh, we also reviewed Olivia Rodrigo's guts which is the highlight of the episode um 
Uh, did some episodes of Media Made Me. Lonnie Dangerous is in your feed. Dahlia Black is going to be in your feed. A couple others that we have in the hopper, but uh, still need to be recorded. Of course, check out the back catalog of all the Brazilian Dragon Podcast content that we have. Follow us at Brazil Dragon Pod. Currently, that's our Instagram page. And then in terms of stand-up, I have a show on October 1st at Flappies and Flappers in Burbank, 5 p.m. If you want to come check that out. Uh, Jordan and I got to perform a stand-up show together. Uh, I think Jeremy's mm-hmm. trying to produce something. So we'll, we'll oh, nice. collab with Jeremy. Um, but yeah, Jordan, thank you so much for uh, joining us today here. Or joining it was me. a pleasure. Yes, I had a great time. Well, and- us, the collective, the collective we and all of the Brazilian Dragon uh, network of listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, And also one more pop culture plug, September 27th at 8 p.m. on CBS. Go support Brandon Donlin, my friend, living out his childhood dream on the 45th season of Survivor. So that's cool. So awesome. Yeah. So proud of him. Uh, But with that said, you can follow me at with the fleep. And until next time, everyone, obrigadero for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Have you ever had sex? I haven't felt great. So good when I did it with my penis. A girl let me do it. It literally just happened. Having sex can make a nice man out the meanest. Never guess where I just came from. I had sex. If I had to describe the feeling, it was the best. When I had the sex, man, my penis felt great. And I called my parents right after I was done. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Guess what I just did? Had sex, undressed, saw her boobies and the rest. Was sure nice of her to let you do that thing. Nice of any girl ever. Now sing. I just had the good thing she could be my wife that good the best 30 seconds of my life i'm so humbled by a girl's ability to let me do it because honestly i'd have sex with a pile of manure with that in mind the soft night smelling girls better but she let me wear my chain and my turtleneck sweater so this one's Doesn't matter how sad. She put a bag on my head. Still count, I just had sex.